Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Today, I'm extremely pleased to be with Janice Landry, award-winning writer and journalist whose nonfiction work primarily focuses on mental health and wellness. Welcome, Janice, to the show. Thank you so much, Doctor. It's a big honor for me to be here with you. It's a big honor to have you because I read a little bit about you. You've written, written many, many books. You have your own story. And that's what I would like to focus on in this show a little bit. Tell me a little bit, how did you become the person you are today? How did you grow up? What did you do? The reason I am who I am today is because of my late parents. And I know that your listeners can't see it, but I actually brought a photograph of my parents to the studio today. And it's a photograph, it's a black and white photograph, and they're looking lovingly into each other's eyes. And it's it looks like it was taken in the 60s based on um, what they're wearing. And what why I, this photograph is so beautiful to me is after both of my parents died, I looked at the date on the photograph and I realized that my mother is pregnant with me in the photograph. And when you look at it, she's lovingly touching her tummy, which um, as a mom myself, I did many times with our daughter, Laura. So uh, there is absolutely, that's an easy question for me because I would not be here today in any form without them, obviously physically, but spiritually and emotionally, uh, my parents allowed me to grow up in a household where uh, if I want, if I wanted to dream it, they believed in me. And I think that's a big, important message to your listeners, because we know from research that that with youth, especially from the ages of zero to five or zero to 10, if they have one person in their life, whether it be a parent, caregiver, teacher, anyone who believes in them, that the their ability to be resilient later in life is far better than those that don't have that. And why is this important? Well, maybe you're reflecting on your life, whoever the listeners are, and you may think, well, maybe I, I didn't have that. And it's possible that some people did not, and I'm not bringing it up to shame someone or guilt them, but it offers an opportunity that if you realize, you know, I didn't have enough of that in my own life, that it's kind of like um, a gift in a way, if we want to see it that way, is an, an opening to be that person for someone else right? To be that person. That is a wonderful story. And I firmly believe all parents do the best they can at the time. And they all make mistakes. I have two boys. I made big mistakes raising them. I have made a mistake staying with their father. I made mistakes raising them. They both turned out 
fine. And, and I, I always believed in them. Well, they, they, of course, they knew that in, they, you had their back. And my parents also did this for me, and I am married, and we have a, a daughter now. And uh, I do that for her. We both do. And I also had the opportunity, for which I'm deeply grateful, to teach for many years mm. at Mount St. Vincent University. So I spent like 16 years uh, in the company of youth and uh, felt very strongly that I wanted to do that for them, too, that not just being their teacher, but to be kind of a mentor in, in some way. And I, I hope that at least one of them, a many hundred of students I taught see me that way because I do believe in my students. They're still my students. They will always be my students. And it's just a blessing to see them go out into the world and grow and flourish. And that is really the best reward for every parent and for every teacher to see the people that we taught or mentored to grow and become people themselves. And I remember the first book that really deeply influenced myself when I was 16 was actually in English. I was in Germany. I got it in the library. It fell in my hand. There's a synchronicity. It was by Carl Rogers on becoming a person. And I read the title and I said to myself, that's what I want to do. Really? Go up. And I read that book cover for cover and said, I need more love in my life. Well, I think that love is sort of the bottom line and hope. Those are two subject matters that later in, in my work I'm going to look into more and more. But I agree. And, and love doesn't have to mean the traditional love that we think of between people. It can be the love of humanity. It could be the love of science or research or animals or the environment, that sort of thing. So I think that's a really key message, too, that for your listeners is to find something that you love, not necessarily another human being, although that's lovely. Um, but if you do feel passion in your life for something, uh, it's a long road with a lot of ups and downs. So if you can find that, and I, and I also talk to my students and my daughter about that, it just can't be about um, the spotlight or money and all these other things, which are okay, they're, they're great in their own way or whatever. We have to feed ourselves and, and clothe ourselves. But in the long run, uh, when you get to, I'm in middle age in my life now, I think that you have to really care deeply about what you're talking about. And for me mm -hmm. as a journalist and writer, that's huge because it, it's difficult and it's a lot of work. So each book that I've done, they're approximately two years worth of work. If you didn't really believe in the subject matter, just like you do, doctor, um, it would be very difficult to get the work done. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I'm very passionate about helping people myself in the way that I can. And I talk to dying people. And it's interesting when they regret things. They don't say, oh, I wish I had worked more. I wish I had made more money and drove, driven a bigger car. No, they say, I wish I had loved more. I wish I had had the courage to do the things that I really wanted to do in life and risk them. And it's sad when you see them on their last day and they say that. So I, 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 I challenge everybody that's listening now. Take the risk. Think about what you really want to do in your life. And you have more than one day, hopefully. And, and I, think, I think that's a really important message because one of the people who helped me is my late mentor, Bill Jessam. And Bill is uh, well known in Eastern Canada mm -hmm. and Canada as a, a maritime mystery teller. And he was a very astute broadcaster and helped many, many people. And Bill 
uh, was the person who helped me face my fear of going into long form journalism in books because when you're a creative person and no matter if you're writing or whatever you're doing uh, it's terrifying to put yourself out there and I remember going to Bill's house one day this was after he was not able to leave the house much due to his failing health and mm. a number of friends and I would go over and bring him coffee and lunch and that sort of thing and one day he got a little angry at me in a loving way and said you know what are you what are you afraid of and what are you waiting for? And of course, those were rhetorical questions that hung in the air. Mm-hmm. And the reason he asked them is because he knew I was afraid, you know, afraid of failure and putting yourself out there. So I think it's important for your listeners, no matter what their area of expertise is, that you do have to take, take a risk, as you said, at some point. Yeah, and, and, and emphasize love at the same time. And for myself, the risk, the, the, the fear of failure and the fear of rejection was just paramount. And when I eventually had the big loss and lost my work, lost my husband, lost my health, that's what drove me to try to commit suicide. And, and I know many people are driven by similar uh, fears and and we we'll we'll talk more about how to deal with that because we all are afraid to a certain point to be rejected that people say oh no she is no good <laughs> and and people do that so what the heck and we have to learn to say to ourselves what the heck and I think some of those those fears that you're talking about, that's, you know, I, it's important for people to hear us both talking mm-hmm. about fear because everyone has them. So I, I don't like to use the word normal, but it's it's typical for most people to have them. And I'd like to applaud you, doctor, because, um, you know, there's been a number of people I've interviewed uh, who've thought of dying by suicide and um, some who've tried and were not successful and others, uh, especially in the first responder world, we see lines where many first responders today are dying by suicide and we urgently need to help them in a major call to action nationally for more preemptive training. Mm -hmm. Um, So for you to experience that and then turn it around and come back and try to help other people is such a gift that on behalf of your listeners, I'd like to thank you. Uh, for your facing of your fear and things that have happened to you to try to help other people. It's just unbelievable. Oh, that's so kind of you, Janice. And that's actually a wonderful point point of of ending the first part of this show. And I think, again, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I don't feel that I'm extremely courageous. I had courage in the beginning to actually drive myself to the emergency room and ask to be admitted. And, And I was fortunate that I was. So I'm now very grateful mental illness because it turned my life around it made me to the person that i am today when we face challenges and grow from them and you said very nicely in your book that everybody faces challenges in their life everybody faces grief everybody faces change everybody faces death and we can't be afraid of dealing with it talking about it So I'm excited to hear more about your work with first responders because I was in Germany a first responder with my ex-husband. That's the reason he calls himself. As family doctors in Germany, you respond to accidents when they are close to your practice. It's not that the paramedics go first. No, you are the first, you get the call. 
So we saw all those accident scenes, and uh, you learn a lot. You sure do. But it, it is hard, and my ex killed himself, so I know how it is to be close to suicide. I know how it is to have somebody close to you commit suicide. And it, it is a learning experience, and I'm looking very much forward to talking more with you about all those aspects, because I know you have experience with talking to many people about that. And this brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast here on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio. Please tune in after the commercial break for more with Janice Landry. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM and on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with Janice Landry. In the first half, we talked about her story of becoming an award writing writer and journalist and a wonderful person. Thank you. And I would like to, in the second half, talk a little bit more about your father, who was a fireman and a first responder. And tell me a little bit about your relationship and what happened and uh, what inspired you in the end to write your wonderful books. So I am, you know, the reason I am an advocate in Canada for first responders is that I am a kid. I'm the child of a first responder. So I grew up in a first responder household, as many, many people in the world currently do. And so the thing that, you know, I, I always saw my dad as a hero that a lot of children do, no matter what their, their parents do for a living, not necessarily just their father, but their, either of their caregivers or the guardians. Many kids see them as a hero. It's just that in my dad's case, he actually was one. And what led me to do my writing uh, was to honor my father for an act that he did as a firefighter with his peers of the former Halifax Fire Department, which is now Halifax Regional Fire and Emergency. And this uh, really horrific fire, host fire, happened in Halifax in 1978. And my dad and his peers responded to the fire near Bears Road in Halifax. Mm -hmm. For those who know, maybe you know the Halifax Shopping Centre, not far from there. And at the time, a uh, family was having their supper, and they had just finished cooking hamburgers, frying them on the stove, and they could hear a crackling noise, doctor, and one of them went out into the hallway to inspect what, where the noise was coming from while they were eating supper, and there were great plumes of black smoke and flame coming down the stairwell, the only stairwell to the upper second floor of the home where an eight-week-old baby was trapped in his crib. So the family members uh, obviously were in a, just a sheer panic, and they, a number of them themselves tried to get up the stairwell to save the baby and couldn't because of the intense heat and flame and, and thick smoke. They called 911, and my dad and his peers responded on a number of units, and my dad was the captain aboard Rescue 2, so he was in command of that unit. And when they rolled up to the scene and observed the family members, especially the mother outside, screaming and, uh, for help, um, they ran around the back of the building where they were, where people were gesturing 
reporting to them that the child was on the second floor. And my dad and I talked about this once, doctor, but as as a father-daughter, not as a journalist and first responder. So we only spoke about it once in his lifetime. And he told me that he literally, he knew upon viewing the scene that he didn't have time to put his breathing apparatus on. So he climbed up this trellis on the back of the house and got onto a porch roof. And then he jumped uh, up onto the home's gutter system and shimmied across laterally till he was hanging underneath the child's bedroom window took his helmet off so he's now hanging from one hand and broke the window glass from the window and he was not badly injured by the glass he was very lucky and he somehow swung himself up into the window into the pitch black room um, and he literally could not see the hand in front of his face and he got down on his hands and knees and sort of on his tummy and went across the room trying to find the bottom of the baby's crib the legs of the crib and he eventually did without being able to, you know, of course, he's having trouble breathing. He would be in a lot of pain. Sure. And he managed to get the baby to the back to the window in the pitch black without losing his way. And he gave the child, um, the eight-week-old boy, a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation at the window. And at this time, when he was doing this rescue, his peers were placing a, a, a ladder underneath the window, which was their only way out. And so without my dad's peers, he w- he and the baby would have died in the fire. And the name of that book is called The 62nd Story because I tracked down all the, the firefighters who are still alive today, and they told me uh, without a doubt that if it had been more than 60 seconds, uh, they both would have died. It was wow. an extremely close call. And for that rescue, my dad went on to uh, be the first Halifax firefighter in more than 250 50 years to be awarded Canada's Medal of Bravery at Rideau Hall in Ottawa. So I'm very proud of my dad. And anytime I get to recount that story, I do. So I thank you for that gift today because people should know his story. Yes, they should know what people do to save others. It's true. It is very altruistic and it's very heroic. I'm so proud of your dad and you as, as his daughter. And you were still a little girl then. I was, Yes. And that's the thing is I had this opportunity. It's funny you should say that about two weeks ago a friend of mine is a teacher a grade six teacher and at Grosvenor Wentworth Park School and his name is Mr. Banks and so Mr. Banks invited me into his grade six class to tell my dad's story and to talk about creative writing and following your passion and a big highlight in my journalism career for me and I've been at this you know 30 years now is I took my dad's medal of bravery with me and every student in that grade six class got to hold my dad's medal and I just get goosebumps even telling you about it because my dad loved children and so for me to be able to be in that class and they were just riveted of course Mm. I told the story at the level of someone who's in grade six and and it has a happy ending Mm. even though it is a scary story Uh, and they were just they asked wonderful questions and they were so engaged but I know my dad I feel very strongly that my dad was there with me and he would have just been thrilled to have these children hold his medal each of them. Ah, that's so wonderful. Thank you. I'm, you're so fortunate to have a dad like that. Thank you. I know that. And I know your mother was a sweetheart too. And we'll talk more about that in the second show that we are talking about grief and your newest book, Silver Linings. Thank you. And uh, I, I just want to take a moment and say you really should explore Janice's uh, website and buy her books because they're amazing. The topics are amazing. That's real stories told in a very expert way with a lot of heart and soul. 
and they cause you to cry when you read it because they're so beautiful stories. Thank you. I think the people, when as a journalist, to have people take you um, to some of, you know, the most beautiful moments they've experienced or some of the sadder moments, mm-hmm. and they trust you with, I want to say stories, but these are their lives, right? So I always like to tell people, for me personally, I can't speak on everybody who works in my industry, but I take that extremely seriously. And so to have someone entrust you with that is a huge honor and responsibility. So there are so many people at this stage that I've spoken to to do these books, mm. and I carry them, I literally carry them with me. So when I go out to speak, and I do get nervous about public speaking, which surprises a lot of people, I'm not nervous talking to you, but if there was 500 people in the room right now, I'd be nervous, trust me. Yeah, but I, I can imagine. <laughs> but I think of those people, because you know if they were gutsy enough and they faced their fears to do whatever they did and then sit down and talk to me, to try to help other people, mm-hmm. it's the very least I can do to try to shine a light on them. That's right. And and, and I love that, that, that strength that you have, that courage that you have to actually bring that out in other people and uh, to help them have the courage to actually bring it out themselves so they can talk about their trauma. And, and, and it does help those people because it's kind of a form of catharsis. And it also helps other people that read that story and said, yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. And and the way you are able to evoke feelings in your reader, that is, in my books, pretty unique. It's not just a nonfiction book. It's really a very moving those not just one book you wrote how many five five so far (laughs) and we're working on a six but I just it's funny you should say that because people always ask me do you have another idea and I do and I also want to tell your listeners that it's okay to know when to to not work on something so it's Mm -hmm. kind of knowing when to and when not to and my gut tells me when to and so for example now that I'm out doing this which we're going to talk about in the next show Silver Linings my new piece you know my mother died while I was working on that so it's difficult talking about Mm -hmm. her passing over and over and over again so right now I don't have the I don't have what it would take for me to to really plunge into the next piece it started but I think it's important for your listeners to know follow your gut and I love that and know when to give yourself a break it's okay to take a break this society we're in is so fast-paced and everybody wants everything done yesterday right that's not necessarily a healthy thing all the time and so there's times when I need to know when to slow down and take a break. And and that is so valuable. Follow your gut. And if you never felt that little feeling in your gut, listen to it. And for me, it was what saved my life because I never listened to my gut until I was driving down the highway trying to commit suicide. And that's when my little inner voice said, no, 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 no. You don't want to die. You want to get help. And is that that's when you went to the hospital? That's when I drove myself to the hospital. And it was the hardest thing I ever done. And I mean, the, just the self-love involved in that, too, because you there was something in you saying, not this isn't the time, this isn't the way. Right. And also, that's a really important um, light that we're shining on this, because you had control there, right? Yes. That was a decision-making process. Yes. And Christine had control, even though she was feeling really badly, mm-hmm. there was still some control in that decision-making. And that's a really powerful statement. And, and some insight. And, and and I love talking about that. And I thank you very much for being on this show today. And I'm 
so looking forward to talk about the silver linings and we'll talk more about grief and loss and gratitude out of all that. My pleasure. And uh, this brings me to the end of today's show. Please don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact Janice and forgot her website, which, by the way, is so easy, JaniceLandry.ca. <laughs> my email here is Christine at CommunityRadio.ca or you can contact me through my website, DocChristine.com. And I'm always grateful for any feedback. I want to also extend a special thank you to today's producer, Cecil Wright. Thanks, Cecil. You're the best. He's the best. Yes. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station. And we even have an art gallery. If you're local and you'd like to drop in, we are at 11 Glendale Avenue, Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye. Have a great day.